Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today we have our old friend Eric Peters, the libertarian car guy, with us. He is the chief author and publisher of Eric Peters Autos, which you can get to by just going to epautos.com. And you can find all kinds of information, non-political, about automobiles and and all kinds of uh, good information about that, as well as his political commentary. And uh, Eric, I'm glad to have you back. I wanted to talk to you about, um, I know you've been such a strong proponent of electric vehicles, and you're a big fan, and your favorite guy in the world, Elon Musk, just took over Twitter. And I wanted to get your reaction first and foremost. Well, I'm going to hold my reaction in abeyance to see what happens. Uh, Elon has presented himself and a lot of people take him to be a libertarian. We hear that bandied about a lot. And I've criticized him copiously uh, over his being anything but, at least in terms of his electric car company, which depends on rent seeking and crony capitalism and is not at all a free market enterprise. And libertarians tend to believe in the free market and in free exchange, not in uh, the government forcing people to buy somebody's products. That said, he has an opportunity now to establish that he is, in fact, a libertarian. He's got control of this social media platform that has immense influence in terms of guiding what the conversation is, as the left likes to put it. And I think if he lets people actually speak freely, however you can do that and however many characters you're permitted on Twitter, um, I will have to change my opinion of him, at least to some extent. And I really hope that that's what this is all about and that it's not about something like what he's about when it comes to his electric cars. Yeah, I have to say, and I posted on my Facebook that I can't help feeling like this is all a big grift. I don't want, I want to be wrong about that. And I'm not necessarily saying it is. I just have all kinds of reasons to be suspicious for all the reasons you just gave. Um, as far as this being a libertarian, I know he's on the record at one point in his life saying, I'm a socialist. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think you could definitely say 
he's presenting himself as a civil libertarian, much the way maybe Tulsi Gabbard might be. I mean, as far as I know, she hasn't repudiated her uh, her position on single payer health care. So, you know, I guess you got to take what you get in this environment. Anybody who's got at least one good position, at least, uh, you know, <laughs> deserves a uh, uh, the benefit of the doubt. Is that what you're saying? Well, he's a technocrat, first and foremost. He's somebody who um, shares a vision with this managerial elite, this top down. This is what we're going to do, and you're just going to go along with doing it. So that's one of my chief objections uh, to what he's been doing for the past couple of decades. That said, though, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, just as you have. And, you know, there are a lot of people who uh, they're, they're, they're preoccupied and they're busy with whatever it is that they do for a living, whatever their passion is. And they're not necessarily passionate about uh, philosophical and intellectual ideas. And that's not to say that they're not smart people. Elon Musk is a very smart guy, but he may not have connected the dots. He may not be consciously, uh, philosophically considering these abstract issues, these principles that underlie libertarianism or socialism. You know, a lot of people are under the, the misapprehension that socialism is, is friendly and soft, and it just means cooperation. It just means we are all all in this together, to use that loathsome term that they, they fed to us during the pandemic, what they consistently leave out is the element of coercion and force that is the fundamental thing behind socialism, communism, fascism, all of these isms. They don't rely on, hey, I've got a case to make, and if I persuade you, do you agree with me? Yay, great, let's all go ahead and do this together voluntarily. Ultimately, uh, it comes down to what Mao said about power flowing from the barrel of a gun. And I think once people come to grips with that really ugly fact that we're talking about threatening to kill people, if you don't do what we say, then perhaps they'll be disabused of their uh, uh, affection for things like socialism and communism, at least hopefully. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with what you said about uh, business people, business owners, not necessarily being philosophical. I think Elon Musk is a highly intelligent person, obviously. But when you run a company, especially uh, if you're entrepreneurial and you're not just kind of taking over as CEO of GM or something, but you're doing these these startup and groundbreaking things, you've got to be so single minded on making that happen that I don't think you have space to to go down those roads. And I don't blame him for that. That's you know, we need people out there starting new companies uh, not necessarily on our dime, as you said, but uh, but at least uh, other businesses, you're not going to find. And, and this is where I always get where people say, well, we need a president who's a businessman. No, the businessman doesn't necessarily understand uh, how to govern or even economics. They understand how to make their kind of business go. That's a valuable skill. It, it's what makes the world go around. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're the person who should be in charge, if anybody should. Well, it also means that they know how to game the system. You know, one of the red flags with Trump uh, for me was that long before he became a politician, he was a businessman. And he uh, he made use of things like eminent domain to simply seize people's property, which would ordinarily be considered an act of robbery and theft. Right. But because he was able to get the government to do it on his behalf, somehow that's legitimate and legal because it advanced his interests. And that's a really a, an unprincipled, callous, uh, just mechanistic babbitry. It's about making money. It's not about principles. It's not about what's right. Uh, while I don't pine for a leader at all because I'm perfectly self-directed and capable of leading myself, 
I think we would benefit from leaders who stood on principles. People like Ron Paul. I wish Ron Paul were 30 years younger uh, you know, so that he could enter the fray. Uh, his son is getting progressively better in that respect. He has begun to articulate principles, not merely to accept the premise and then try to quibble and, 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 and you know, dance around what the fundamental core thing is here. You know, so, for example, uh, you hear vaccines are safe and effective. That's not the issue. The issue is should people be forced, coerced to take a drug against their will, period. You know, well, even if it was safe and effective, you know, you're not a pet. You're not a dog being taken to the vet for a shot. You're a human being and you have agency and you have the right, the natural God-given right to make these decisions for yourself, period. Hard stop. And that's the end of the discussion. Yeah, it, it's funny because going back to, I can't, uh, maybe March or April of 2020, this is before the vaccines were around. This whole idea that you could be made to stay home so as not to endanger others, that's completely backwards. And everyone just accepted that premise. Now, the, the, the answer to that is no, you have the right to stay home and protect yourself that way. If, if you don't have the right to force somebody else to, uh, to not go on property you don't own. So um, everyone, you know, has been taking the same risks for thousands of years in public spaces and uh, whether or not this particular virus turned out to be uh, as deadly as they originally said, which it didn't. But even if it did, I would stand by, look, you, you can stay home. And by the way, if you do decide to stay home, no, you can't make other people replace your salary. You know, life, life isn't fair. The world isn't fair. We all start from zero and you've got to, you know, make those decisions as far as risk and, uh, and reward. By the way, there's uh, the wheel turns and there's a, a, a another fatuity that has uh, has percolated upward recently, which we can, we can pivot on the news that uh, the five times vaccinated Rochelle Walensky, head of the CDC has got the Rona. Now, they told you and I, who weren't sick, that we're not allowed to go out. We're not allowed to interact with other people, even people who want to interact with us, because we might be asymptomatic spreaders. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Well, now we've got people like Walensky, who are, in fact, asymptomatic spreaders. They took these vaccines, which aren't, because a vaccine gives immunity. A vaccine makes it impossible or very, very unlikely that you can spread whatever it is uh, that you've been inoculated against to other people. Well, in fact, the people who are vaccinated can get, we know this, it's a fact, they can get the, the virus and they can spread it. And because the symptoms are milder, they might not know they have it, but somehow now it's morally acceptable for the vaccinated to go out and spread the disease and kill granny, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, it just shows that they're, they're, these people, their motives are not well meant. Let's take a short break for this important message. Let me ask you something. What if there was someone out there who kept a log of every single thing you did every minute of the day? That would probably creep you out. Well, that's exactly what happens every time you go online. Your internet provider stores logs of every website you've ever visited and can legally sell this data to anyone. Worse yet, the government can obtain your data via bulk FISA order, even if you're not personally suspected of any crime. That's why I use ExpressVPN. 
ExpressVPN reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your internet provider can't see or log what you do online. Visit expressvpn.com slash Mullen right now and find out how you can get three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Mullen. Protect your data and get three months for free today. And that, that brings to mind this, you probably caught this, there was this loathsome article in the Atlantic magazine that got published the other day that, that sought an amnesty, you know, for all of the all of the misunderstandings that have happened over the past three years. <laughs> that we're just supposed to, you know, people like you and I who are ghettoized, you know, people, they try to create this, this sort of medical apartheid state in which, you know, if you didn't wear a mask or you didn't get the, va- the vaccine, that you could be excluded from society. You know, prevented from working, prevented from seeing your friends, your family, your loved ones, all of these things. And we're just supposed to forget that happened and say, oh, let's just let bygones be bygones. No, absolutely not. Uh, at least not until they admit they were egregiously wrong and apologize for it profusely and promise to never do such a thing again, ever. Yeah, I saw your tweet on that, and I wholeheartedly agree that uh, I'll go one step further. Look, I'm not a, a big fan of investigations in the state. I, they usually turn out to be cover-ups. But with all the investigating that we've had over the past two years about Russiagate and and uh, the insurrection and, and everything else, people were killed during this pandemic unnecessarily. I'm not saying it's absolutely true, but there is probable cause that effective treatments were suppressed and outlawed in order for them to be able to get their emergency use authorization for the vaccine. Now, if that's true, um, then then I think that there is a culpability there for uh, unnecessary deaths. And again, I'm not saying it is true. I'm saying that there should be an investigation. There should be due process. The people who are possibly responsible should have all the benefits of the system, but they need to be investigated. And the whole COVID regime needs to be investigated. And even in a anarcho-capitalist world, people who cause this kind of harm would be, um, there would be consequences for them. So uh, we need need to impose those. Seeking redress for fraud, you know, just to speak of the one thing is legitimate. And I I can't imagine any libertarian objecting to that. And this is a clear-cut case of fraud. Uh, People were told, explicitly told that these, and I always put it in Airfringer's quotes, these vaccines would prevent people from getting the virus and spreading it. They were explicitly told that and made to believe that these were vaccines in the sense that vaccines have always been understood. uh, That is that they provide immunity. Well, that was an egregious, deliberate lie. And now they tell us, oh, the symptoms are less severe if you take this drug, which is not a vaccine, which will not prevent you from spreading whatever you get to somebody else. That's fraud. I mean, on the face of it, that is a fraud. And I think that these vaccine companies, these drug companies generally, this business that they have managed to secure for themselves immunity practically from civil and even criminal prosecution is 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 just to me an astounding 
moral outrage. And I cannot fathom how anybody could support such a thing. You know, it's like if you can imagine that a car company was somehow given immunity from producing a defective car that they knew to be defective, that resulted in people being killed because they were misled into believing, hey, I can get in this car and it's safe. And it, it, you know, it won't just randomly run off the road or the brakes will, will just randomly fail. People would want to be, you know, want to sue a company that did something like that, and rightly so. And the company should be driven out of business for doing something like that. And I feel the same way about these pharmaceutical cartels. And 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 let's go one step further. What if they told you that you had to buy the car, <laughs> you had to drive it, you're not allowed to drive any other one, and then all that happened. And this is what has happened uh, with these. And, uh, and even beyond the, the vaccines, you've got the lockdowns. I mean, I know of, it's funny because I live in Western New York for most of my life. I spent 10 years in Florida. It's very unique here that nobody goes to chain restaurants. Well, that's an overstatement, but we have hundreds of family owned for generations, uh, restaurants here. And many of my favorites went out of business and they're never coming back. Same here. I, in fact, I have a very good friend of mine who uh, ran uh, a little local restaurant called the Bent Mountain Bistro that sourced food locally from local farmers and all of that. And it was a huge success and a gathering spot for the local community. And I live in a small town. So this this was you know one of the major hubs for people to go to. Really nice guy. Uh, he just had a baby, too. His wife just had a baby. And his business was destroyed by this. Uh, he was prevented from doing business. He was locked down. And then when uh, our, our benevolent uh, governor finally decided to allow partial reopening, he wasn't permitted to open the bar, which as anybody who knows anything about restaurants know, that's the major source of income for a restaurant because of social distancing nonsense. And uh, you know he was required to place his table so many feet apart. So he essentially could only operate at about 30% capacity. And it was ruinous. And so it devastated him. And he unfortunately lost his business. And what's he supposed to do? You know, what is how is that, too, in, in terms of legality? It's not a taking. That's a legal principle. You know, when the government takes something from you, they owe you compensation for it. Who's going to compensate my friend and all the other probably millions of people across this country who uh, were financially devastated by by these insane, demented lockdowns and all of the kabuki that went along with it? And and for them to come out now and say, let's just look, we all made some mistakes. No, 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 no. We didn't make any mistakes. We were right. And there was no harm conferred upon the people who pushed this. Uh, Amazon did not go out of business. Uh, the big box retailers did not go out of business. They all, they all, you know, got far richer during yes, this. So, right. you know. Uh, it's it's maddening that anyone would even I'm glad to see there's a big backlash against that article. And uh, and uh, hopefully that the Republicans will get the message if they win this election, they better come through with something and not just get in there and, you know, do their usual. Oh, now we can spend as much money as we want. Well, I think if they do do that, I think this will have been their last opportunity to do that. And the GOP will have proved itself to be as irrelevant and as useless as the Whig Party once was. And it will be replaced by something better. I don't think it will be business as usual this time around. At least that's my hope. I hope that's not a naive hope. Yeah, likewise. Well, speaking of uh, fraud, um, uh, exaggerated threats and and ruining people's lives, <laughs> you've got an article that I just caught today. I, I, I was planning on speaking with you even before I saw it. 
But I should know by now, having read your stuff for years and years and years, that the government tries to put affordable and um, and uh, convenient vehicles, uh, they, they try to outlaw them so we can be forced to buy their expensive ones. I never saw this diesel thing coming. Um, talk a little bit about how what's the government done to make a diesel car uh, illegal in the United States? Well, they haven't made it illegal. They just make it de facto impossible through regulatory fiat. This goes back a few years. You might recall the uh, the big kerfluffle over Volkswagen and its so-called cheating on emission certification tests. And it really was, you know, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin kind of a thing. The amount of the difference in oxides of nitrogen, which is what it what was at issue, at issue, was trivially small, as in, you know, a fraction of a fraction of a percent. It had no meaningful impact. Uh, on air quality. Nobody was harmed by it. But Volkswagen threatened a lot of harm to this electric car agenda because Volkswagen uniquely was the only major car company that offered an entire lineup of diesel-powered affordable vehicles. You could get diesel versions of the Golf, the Beetle, the Jetta, uh, all these vehicles, and some of them cost $22,000, $23,000. Now, here's a car that'll go 700 miles on a tank, uh, that will go more than 50 miles per gallon uh, on the highway, uh, and it costs $22,000, $23,000, and will last probably 300,000 miles. So, hmm, who is going to buy a $50,000 Tesla that goes maybe 200 miles before you have to sit and wait for hours to get recharged that's going to need a new battery that costs two-thirds what the Tesla cost when it was new after eight or ten years of driving? And the answer is practically nobody. So, you know, the, the, these diesel-powered cars had to go because they just put into stark relief how stupid electric cars are in terms of affordable, uh, practical transportation for the average person. Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you're enjoying the content here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom... You can support my efforts here a couple of ways at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. You can join my Patreon for as little as $3 per month and get machine transcripts to every episode and access to my members-only MeWe group, while all access patrons also get my paid subscriber-only articles and videos or you can become a VIP patron to get all of that, plus access to all of my online courses and a signed copy of the Tom Mullen book of your choice. Now, if you prefer Substack, I also post my paid subscriber-only content there. Find links to all the ways you can support the show at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. Become a supporter of Tom Mullen Talks Freedom today. And now let's get back to our episode. How could I think of my love with a girl like you? A girl like you. With a girl like you. A girl like you. With a girl like you. What we're seeing now is a kind of inversion of what happened at the dawn of the automotive age. Initially, before Henry Ford, cars were very expensive, mostly hand-built, and the only people who could afford cars were very affluent people for that reason. Along comes Henry Ford, and he comes up with a really simple, basic car that's very inexpensive and very practical. Practically anybody can, can fix it, and boom, all of a sudden, practically anybody can have a car. 
Well, what's happening now is, again, the reverse of that. Cars are being returned by government fiat to the expensive indulgences of the very affluent because most people simply cannot afford, leaving aside the politics, the economics, most people cannot afford to spend on an electric car. It's just a non-starter. So the electric vehicle is the vehicle for getting you and I and most of the proletariat out of cars and onto bicycles and on our feet and into government transportation. That is what this is all about fundamentally. It's funny because it wasn't that long ago that the answer to um, climate change was that they were going to mandate cars get this ridiculous amount of miles per gallon, right? There's like, a, by this date, you have to be 50 miles per gallon or or your car's not going to be allowed to be sold. Well, here you go. These diesel cars get it. And then they, that's no good anymore either. That's, it's funny how, you know, if you go back a, a few clicks in time, what used to be their policy is now, uh, you know, the uh, it's like two weeks to stop the spread. It's whack-a-mole. Right. I mean, as soon as you solve a problem, they come up with a new thing that you have to solve. And by the way, a lot of people outside of the car industry don't know about this because it, it never got to production. But right around the time that that whole contratops hit with the cheating, this is around 2015 or so, Volkswagen had been working on a prototype diesel electric hybrid that would have averaged between 80 and 100 miles per gallon. And this would have been a small commuter car that they had intended to offer for sale. And the kibosh got put on that. Can you imagine being able to go out and buy a little commuter car that got 80 to 100 miles per gallon and essentially negate your your cost to drive and by doing that? So, again, it shows that there's a disingenuousness here. You know, they don't want people to have affordable, practical cars. And it's not about the environment. A vehicle that, that gets 80 to 100 miles per gallon hardly burns any fuel. So spare me your umbrage about climate change and the, and, and, and the pollution in the sky because it's non-existent. If you dig into the numbers, it's just not there. This is all – it's a phantasm, a boogeyman, just like the virus is going to kill us all when, in fact, it didn't kill 99 point something percent of us. It's exactly the same sort of thing. You know what's really the, the dark darkest side to all this for me <clears throat> is that early on in the COVID fiasco – I would pull up the studies. I actually ghost wrote a book for, for an epidemiologist who started out like we're not taking this seriously enough. And, and the data itself completely turned that person around on this. But, um, and, and me as well. I mean, I didn't really have an opinion at the beginning. I'm just so used to this pandemic's going to kill us all for this whole century. We've had eight or nine of them that I actually probably didn't take it seriously enough at the very beginning, but uh, it's gotten to the point now where I've heard enough credible people like Dr. Robert Malone and others say, look at, you can't even use the data because they're not collecting it. Honestly, they're not setting up their studies, honestly. And if you think that COVID is a vacuum, this is the only place this is happening. It's not happening for climate change. It's not happening for a dozen other things that they claim the science supports, then I think you're really, really naive. Sure. Yeah. Once you become aware of the fact that they are not mistaken, they are deliberately malicious. They are are jiggering the data. They're hiding the data. uh, They're 
purposefully misleading people. I knew almost immediately with regard to this, this COVID stuff uh, that the fix was in, that something was fishy about all of this, because I, I kind of have something of a medical background in that both my, my, my dad and my grandfather were doctors. So I grew up around them and, and I grew up around hospitals. And you remember when they were shrieking constantly in the press about the cases, the cases, the cases? Yeah. yeah, well, they weren't explaining to people that there's a difference between the case fatality rate and the infection fatality rate. That's one point. And again, as somebody with a little medical knowledge, I didn't go to medical school, but I have that little bit of medical knowledge. And I know that doctors know what that distinction is. And the fact that doctors were not explaining to people that there is a very big difference between the case fatality rate and the infection fatality rate, and that a case you know, the way they were defining it, uh, is only somebody testing positive on one of these dodgy PCR tests. It does not mean that somebody has died. It does not mean that somebody's even under a doctor's care. You know, that's, you know, in medical terminology among themselves, they would refer to a case as somebody who's under their care. Not somebody who, hey, you know, I got the sniffles and I took this test and it says I have COVID. That's not a case. But they were purveying that to people. And, and so immediately I understood they are trying to whip up a mass panic. They're not trying to calm people down and say, look, yeah, there's a there's this bug going around. And yeah, you know, if you're elderly, yeah, if you have uh, some chronic underlying problem, you know, you should take precautions because of this. But everybody else, if you're otherwise healthy, you really don't have anything to worry about. In, instead, they did exactly the opposite. They tried to foment as much hysteria and mass panic. And the masking was part of it. You know, by making everybody put on one of those things, they created the visual impression of this terrifying disease that was gonna get us all. And the result of that was not just alienation, but also degradation. I mean, you know, walking around with this thing on your face all the time, feeling like a fool, you know, it's, 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 it, the, my point is that it just speaks to the motives of these people, which are not good motives. They're not honest people. They are people who are trying to pull one over on the rest of us. And it's not just in this case, as you point out, it's the same with regard to the climate change thing. Frankly, it's it's the same with regard to everything. You can't trust these people. That's the take home point. You, you must do due diligence. You must ask questions. You must demand to know, OK, I'm not going to I'm not budging. I'm not doing anything that you insist I do until I know the facts. And I'm certain that what you're telling me is true. I'm not going to accept anything that you say on faith just because you say so. Yeah. And this extends beyond science. Uh, just think back to the war on terror. And the connection between Saddam Hussein and uh, Osama bin Laden, whom Saddam Hussein despised, by the way, um, and uh, the 17 intelligence agencies who all agreed that I can't even remember what that was. Was it something to do with Trump and Russia? But it's like you can't go to any reliable source of information. And you're just I mean, it, it really is a scary thing to me that you can't at least do that, that you can't you know, be scientific when, unless you go collect the data yourself? Well, it's harder. You know, the, the information is out there. The facts are out there. It just takes a little bit more than, uh, you know, back in the day, opening up the newspaper and seeing what the, the lead story was. And I think that in, in the final analysis, it's probably a salutary thing, a good thing that people have now become skeptical of authority, of the government, of these corporations, uh, and are questioning their motives. Uh, and are beginning to connect the dots. I think that's healthy for a society. You know, I think it's it's childish, it's naive to simply uh, do what you're told because some authority figure says do it. No, adults want to know why, and adults expect a sensible, logical answer 
before they're going to do what you insist they, they, they ought to do. Yeah. Let me throw one more thing at you. Um, and this is kind of comes to mind. This has come to my mind several times and you just brought it back, which is this whole idea of intent on their part. Are they just incompetent or, or so ideological or do they intend harm? And I guess to me, there, there's kind of a blurry line there because if you go to the worst dictators, they convinced themselves that they were doing what was right for society, even if they had to break a few eggs, as uh, one of them supposedly said. So, you know, if if you're willing to say, well, you know, let's bygones be bygones, they just, they thought they were doing right, even though they committed these atrocities. Well, why, why were we prosecuting people at Nuremberg? You know, the Nazis convinced themselves that they were right. And then they committed all this, this, these terrible crimes um so i just want to get your reaction to that where is, is there a blurry line there is there is there another way to look at it because i think about that quite a bit unless they are uh in in the legal sense clinically insane <laughs> uh i do not believe that they um shouldn't be held accountable for what they do you know i understand making mistakes i make mistakes you make mistakes we all make mistakes uh, and I'm certainly willing to forgive people who make an honest mistake and then admit it and say, gosh, you know, I, I did the wrong thing. I, I was acting in good faith. I assumed this, this and that was the case. It turned out to be wrong. And I'm terribly sorry. And what can I do to make up for it? Right. I mean, that's 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 we we can all accept that. Nobody, I think, who's a decent person would would reject that. What we've got, though, is a situation where these people knew full well they're wrong. They still know. We've got Walensky to this day. The CDC is still trying to pressure children and the parents who have kids in the schools to take these so-called vaccines. They are still doing it, even though they know they have to know. So I'm not buying it. You know, they know perfectly well that what they're doing is wrong and arguably evil. I don't care, you know, what other rationale can might be put out for it, you know, unless they are clinically pathologically insane. They have to know what they're doing. And for that reason, I think that they're morally culpable and they're despicable. Yeah, hard to argue with you. I think um, also arrogance, supreme arrogance, arrogance beyond what you and I, I think, could even imagine that, you know, these we we are going to make these people do it our way. We know what's best for them. And again, that's the best, that's the most charitable thing you could say. Exactly. Uh, I think it's far worse than that because, you know, I think, again, all of us to one degree or another, at one point in our lives or another, have been guilty of narcissistic or arrogant behavior. You know, we think that we've got the lock on something. We're right. Everybody else is wrong. I mean, I'll cop to that, certainly. But this arrogance is different because we're talking about an arrogance that has resulted not just in mistakes being made, but in people dying, people being killed. You know, go back to the thing you mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, the, the weapons of mass destruction. How many innocent people in Iraq were murdered, in my opinion, on the basis of these specious and known to be specious assertions about weapons of mass destruction? And I think we need to come to grips with that. You know, it's too easy to just turn off the TV and not think about it. But this has had a real cost in real flesh and blood in people's lives, the lives of kids today you know, who have been psychologically tortured by putting on masks and being made to think that other human beings are a threat to them and are going to kill them or going to kill their grandma or grandpa. It's absolutely despicable. I can't I can't express it strongly enough because my feelings are that strong about it. Yeah, I'm with you. And uh, I think at the very least, 
it warrants some kind of an official investigation as ludicrous as those usually turn out. Even the gesture of letting people know, if you ever try this again, you just might find yourself on in the prisoner's dock, as they used to say in the, the Sherlock Holmes stories. Erica, I, I know you got to run, so I want to thank you for stopping by, and uh, we'll link to your website as usual, epautos.com, folks. That's where you go to find Eric's writing, and there's just a plethora of information on that website uh, about automobiles, uh, apolitical, you know, just completely uh, technical, so uh Thanks again. All right, friends, that's going to do it for today. Just a few reminders to stop by TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support and check out all the ways that you can support my efforts here, including joining my Patreon or my Substack. And if you haven't already, make sure that you go to ItsTheFedStupid.com to download a copy of my free ebook, It's The Fed Stupid. And as always, if you like the music you've heard here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at TomMullenSings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.